Hi, Fabrizia. Great to have you back on this podcast. Yes. Fun. Yes. Good. It's good and fun. Uh, we have a lot of the, to talk about today uh, because the, the topic that we are going to, to talk about today is, uh, is vast and is quite controversial. So yes. we will, uh, we will we elicit like some, some real, we like controversy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We will elicit some, uh, some feedback from our listeners. Uh, um, I mentioned this uh, in, the, in our introductory episode. But we are, uh, I'm just going to say it again, we have a little button under uh, every episode on our website at closingthegap.live and uh, on the homepage. And you can use that, just click on that and send us your questions. Just You can just record yourself. It's very easy. You just start speaking, ask your questions, and we'll try to answer uh, as many questions as possible during the next episodes. So the topic of today's conversation is uh, talent, or what I like to call the myth of talent. Yes. And the, the, the idea, again, we are talking about the gap, about this idea of closing the gap, about what Ira Glass says about the fact that there is a gap between uh, for people, creatives, how people see their work at a certain point during their career and the work that they think they would be capable of producing, what their taste tells them that they should be capable capable of producing. But there's a gap between those two things. They can see that their work is not great, is not that great. These are exactly the words that Ira Glass says. And many people, either because uh, it's an ingrained, uh, innate thought or maybe it's because it's been uh, inculcated into them by, by other people, by the families, by their teachers, friends, and so on. Uh, they believe that in order to be successful, in order to be a realized artist, you need to have some kind of innate talent, uh, like Mozart did, right? Was Mozart yes. some, somewhat special? Uh, because he just was just born with an innate talent as a musician, as a composer, that if you're not born with that special thing, then you will never be able to create something great. That, that's the big question. That's the thing, right? You will never amount to anything because you were not born with that spark. Yes, that's what a lot of people think. But um, as we said before and we talked about this uh, in the past and I, I like that we always have these conversations um, talent yes Mozart Beethoven Van Gogh um, and, and some Michelangelo Leonardo um, there are some geniuses that have appeared on this planet and there are some geniuses out there now but uh, to be a good artist, one does not have to be a genius. We can be good artists <laughs> regardless of the genius or not. So talent has kind of become, again, an excuse sometimes for people to pull back and say, well, if what I'm doing isn't great, it's because I have no talent. Or listen to people around you who say, well, you know, you really don't really have enough talent for that or 
it, it's it's a big thing that we tell ourselves though you know do I have big question I want to be a creative I want to be an artist do I have the talent for this kind of thing and um, and then that becomes uh, a bit of an excuse when things don't work out as we would like them to but the problem is I've seen time and time again people with exceptional talent because I'm not saying that everybody's the same some people have more of an aptitude, I would say, more than the talent for some things than others. So, you know, some people start singing and they're perfectly in tune, but some people have to do a bit more practice to get their tune and their pitch just right. But then the one who actually emerges is the one who actually develops that instrument that is her voice, uh, while the other one may sing in tune all her life. But if you don't learn how to sing, you're not going to get anywhere with it. So that's why, to me, that is the myth of talent. Because whatever talent we have, it's nothing compared to what it can grow into once we actually put in the work and do the right kind of work, which is what we're here to do, to talk about. Yeah? You, you said that word, pitch. Um, I, do you know what perfect pitch is and what's the difference between perfect pitch and relative pitch? Uh, yeah, but you go ahead. So I, I'm, I'm completely ignorant about music, but I'm, uh, I was uh, following some, um, watching some YouTube videos by this guy. He's a, he's a musician, a producer. Uh, his name is Rick Beato. That's B-E-A-T-O. You can find his channel on YouTube. And I, I, I mean, I'm fascinated by his videos, even though I don't understand 99% of what he says about chords and harmonies and so on. Uh, but he has a series of videos about this concept of perfect pitch. So what is perfect pitch? Perfect pitch is when is a quality that some people have, and apparently it is a quality that only one out of 10,000 people have, where they're able to recognize any note or to sing any note without having a reference note. Yes. The, the idea is that that is perfect pitch. Relative pitch is a quality that many people have, musicians, typically musicians have, uh, because they've been trained to do it, right? They can sing a note or recognize a note if they have listened to a related note. So you can have a, um, a tuning fork or listen to an A note, and then you listen to a G, and you recognize the G because you compare it to the A that you've just listened to. People who have perfect pitch, on the other hand, can recognize a G or a D flat, right? Even without hearing another note. And uh, this guy, Rick Beato, he has a child, is uh, currently eight or nine. The time he was doing these videos, he was eight or nine years old, who has amazing perfect pitch. And you see these videos, there is this uh, young kid uh, looking at the camera with his father behind his back playing on the piano and uh, the, the father is playing notes like tongue and the kid says a ding g flat b b sharp whatever then he plays chords like three notes at the same time and he says this is a major or whatever i don't even know the names of those chords this one is a b minor or seven Right? And then he, see, he, he plays two chords at the same time, one with the left and one with the right hand. 
and the kid is able to say this is B major over A minor and the notes are A, B, D, G flat, E, and so on and then he plays six chords and, it, and, and he says sing me an A, A, sing me a B, B, and so on. It's <laughs> Okay, I don't want to go too long over this but the idea here is that some people are effectively born with the ability to develop perfect pitch. Some people will never be able to do it. But it's not enough. You can have this ability, but if you're not trade, trained since a young, this is something that you learn like when you're learning a language. You learn a language when you're very young, it's very effective. If you learn to exercise your perfect pitch when you're three, four years old, then you will keep that quality for the rest of your life, most of the rest of your life, because apparently after 50, 60 years, people lose it. So this is a very special quality, but it needs to be developed. You need to train, you need to practice. A relative pitch is something that pretty much anyone can achieve. Uh, you don't need to have perfect pitch to be a musician. Exactly. I was going to say, you know, you know, Pink Floyd, I don't think anybody, any of them have perfect pitch. <laughs> a lot of people. He, he has one of those videos where he makes a list of the musicians that, according to him, had perfect pitch. And this includes Mozart, Beethoven and others and, and Bach, maybe, and others who didn't. Like he has, I don't know, Rachmaninoff or some, some I don't remember the names. So those people did not have perfect pitch, but they're not lesser artists and musicians because of this. So it's definitely a talent, but it's a talent that you can, you need to work on and you can develop something really close if you just do the work. Yeah, and in fact, in the end, at the you know, it's useful because if you can hear a note and recognize it or just sing it out of the blue, it's useful to be able to do that. But uh, if you just need to hear a relative note to be able to do the same thing, that just takes one extra second of your life. Does it matter? Absolutely not. No. So, you know, perfect pitch by itself or any kind of exceptional talent by itself uh, doesn't really take you anywhere by itself. It works within the context of your then development as a musician to, you know, you have that extra thing, but nobody would know anyway whether you had it or not in the end. I mean, can we say which musicians out there, does Beyonce have perfect pitch or Madonna or any of those people? I've no idea, maybe, maybe not. It doesn't matter. To the, you know, to the the finished result of your work does not rely on talent. Yeah, it relies on the work that you put in. The, the concept here is that there are some innate differences, but if you look at the top performers in any field, then uh, people have done studies about this, right? And if they look at the top performers in any field, and what they found out is that. Uh, innate talent, uh, qualities that are uh, people get from birth, they're not really the things that determine the final, the success, the, the ability or the specific uh, ability to be a top performer. Practice, especially deliberate practice and deliberate effort to improve performance in a specific field is much, much more important than innate talent. 
And also, I also think that whatever talent we have may not come out until we actually get to a point where we can use, when we can put it into practice. Somehow, we find uh, that some people, you know, the, the talent that someone has may not really actually show up until they're quite a long way into their progress as, you know, there's a passion. Of course, there is some starting spark of something that, you know, makes you want to be a photographer, a musician, or a painter. And then you learn the basics, and then you start building on that, and building on that, and putting work into it. And then you come to a point where your talent, or whatever extra personal thing that you have, finds the way into your work, because your work is at a level where it can emerge, right? You don't necessarily see it before a certain point sometimes. So we don't know who's got talent and hasn't. What I'm saying is that then that's, that's when, for instance, we talk about developing your own style or a singer will develop, you know, her own way of singing, which is really personal and um, may not really happen until she's learned the basics of how to sing, for instance, you know. The... What what you said really resonated with me because it was uh, a few days ago I was reading about this uh, this study that was done by um, uh, a cognitive psychology professor at the Carnegie Mellon University called John Hayes, and he studied uh, artists along the course of history, some of the greatest names in art, including Mozart. We already mentioned Picasso and so on, and. Uh, studied those their careers to determine how long it took them to become uh, world, class, world class at whatever they were doing. So I was surprised to learn that for Mozart, for instance, I mean, we know that he was a child prodigy and he toured Europe with his father and his sister playing the, the clavier uh, at the courts, at the nobles, and he was a great uh, he was a little child prodigy, indeed. But he only had his first, and he was a composer as well, but his first successful composition that was publicly performed, he only did it at age 14, which is amazing. I mean, okay, you are 14 years old, and you do a, a composition, a little opera, and it is performed in a theater. You're only 14. But actually, he started playing publicly when he was four. So it took him 10 years, even to Mozart, it took 10 years to go from somebody who was actually proficient with the piano or the clavier or whatever it was, to be a master at their art that was widely recognized as a master, or even not widely recognized because probably he had a very a small local limited success with that first opera. But it took 10 years. And so this, this professor did this study and he discovered that for a huge number of artists, 10 years is like the average that it takes from when you start really applying your practicing your talent and developing it to when you become recognized, you have your initial success. It takes 10 years on average for pretty much everyone. And so this is fascinating. Again, you're Mozart, okay, but at age four or five, you're, you're not uh, your, your operas are not being publicly uh, performed in a theater. You're not that good yet. 
even for Mozart, there was a gap. Yes, right? we have the Mozart gap. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that, that's, I think, yeah. that the mistake that some, some people think, make of thinking, okay, I'm struggling, I see this gap is because I have no talent. No, it's because you haven't yet started developing your talent. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and the time that it takes, it's not just the time to develop the skill, because that takes time, obviously, you need to do something and do it again, 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 and develop your, your instrument, your skill, your photography, your eye, your whatever, but it's also a matter of, uh, you know, I work a lot about with, with, with mindset, and there's a lot about us growing into what we, uh, are going to become when we are successful artists or successful at what we do. Because if we have never been something before, it's hard to do something. You know, you can only do out of who you are. And so right at the beginning, we're, like we said, insecure about a lot of things. And there's a lot we said um, about the mindset that we need to have to actually do the work of an artist the way a successful artist would work and I don't know it's like we need to start doing that before we're ready to do it again but uh, there is a discipline there is a system there is a method there is uh, a way of doing the work that is personal and individual and we have to develop that as well as do it and while we're doing the work we figure out how to do the work and that takes time because uh, it's not something that you just decide, so oh, I'm going to work this way. You know, that's not how it happens. You, you start and you do the stuff and then you realize what works for you and how you grow into it. And your brain has to change synapses sometimes over the work that we do. Creative work, uh, you know, does affect, affect the way your brain develops. It takes time for that too. It's a physiological thing that happens in your brain. And also, how much do you sleep? How do you eat? You know, all of this stuff that will work to, with you or against you. And this goes into the topic of the superpowers that we will talk about <laughs> in a later episode. <laughs> but, you know, the, there's so many things that affect you as you grow in your life and you then put this stuff into your work. And that's what, you know, and there's um, life experience as well. You know, it will, sometimes we hear young children playing instruments amazingly well, but it's all technique and there's, there's no feeling, but not because they don't have feelings, but because they don't have the life yet that will determine what comes out into, into their music. Somehow, as artists, we need to suffer a bit to actually make things worth watching or worth listening to. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a, depending on if you're a writer or a poet, my goodness, you know, there needs to be some suffering in there before you can write anything of any value, it seems. But all of these things, uh, you know, they, they don't immediately come to mind when you're thinking about an artist producing a piece of work, but it, needs, it, it, it does. You know, one of my favorite quotes, um, and I think I have it here because I don't want to misquote it, but anyway, if it's not here, I will just misquote it. But, um, uh, but you know, I have uh, all of my courses that 
with this quote by Ansel Adams, whom everybody I think knows was an amazing photographer, um, who did this fantastic black and white landscapes. And it was my first photography exhibition that I ever saw. And I fell in love with photography then. I was nine years old. And um, so he's always been kind of close to my heart. And anyway, he said, you don't make a photograph with a camera. You bring to your photography every movie you've ever seen, every book you've ever read, every music you ever listened to, and everybody you ever loved. And that is for photography, but it applies to any kind of art. All your life goes into it. Otherwise, it's not complete. It's not full and it's, and it's superficial. And then it's not the piece of work that we want, right? Yeah. I found that quote, and I have to say, you're, you're, we are pretty accurate. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I just want to uh, add a thing because I know uh, that some people will object to what we just said and say, oh, but uh, this great uh, sport, sportsman or sportswoman, uh, I don't know, Usain Bolt or LeBron James, I mean, you, you cannot be Usain Bolt or LeBron James if you don't have the right genes. Or a great uh, Froome, a cyclist who won a Tour de France. I don't know how many times I've lost count. Five, maybe. just read an, uh, an article on Serena Williams. Yeah. And, um, you know, you re yes, these people have special bodies and special, but... Michael Phelps, you know, they they trained so bloody hard. They trained their minds. They trained their bodies. They put countless. Uh, they sacrificed their life to that. None of us has done that, you know. You do this, and I remember reading about Sharapova, Maria Sharapova. She left Russia at age 12 alone to go to the states and train because she had to go up to the next level, left the family, she was 12 years old. And that's all she's done all her life, is just play, 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 obsessed with it. But to get to that level, so how many people with the same talent and the same bodies and the same genes as these guys, as these guys have, have never come up in the Olympics because they have not done the work? The world may be full of LeBron James, and Usain Bolts, but they're, you know, yeah, there, there's, you know, maybe they're farmers somewhere. There's no, <laughs> there's no dispute. That's what I wanted to say. That if you have uh, long legs and arms like LeBron James, it's easier for you to play basketball. All right, uh, but if, and you cannot grow longer legs or arms. You can grow them stronger, but if I mean if you're short, it's really hard to to play good basketball, at least professional level. There's no denying that. But while you cannot grow your arms and legs uh, because they are only, growth is limited by your genes, your brain is much more malleable. We're, we're talking about intellectual endeavors. We're talking about creative stuff. This is all about our brains. And I don't think there is really a lot that cannot be done with our minds if we put Oh, at, okay, look at you saying Bolt and how big he is, right? Now mm -hmm. look at the first guy who go under 10 seconds, I think, was Pietro Menea. He's a tiny little man. Mm -hmm. He ran like, you know, incre you know, he broke every record you could break. 
in the 60s, 70s, whatever, whenever it was that he was running. So um, he should have been the last of the, of the you know, <laughs> of the last. He was tiny. Yeah. He was the fastest. So it's, it's in, but he believed he could do it. Even and Steph Curry, the, the basketball player of the Golden State Warriors, I mean, they won uh, probably the best basketball player in the world. He's not a, compared to others, is not that huge. Yeah. Right. So, so it's in our heads. It's very much in our heads. Um, okay, I think we can uh, just uh, end our conversation for today here. I don't know what you believe, if you want to add something else. And we will definitely keep talking about talent and how to overcome our perceived lack of talent in the, in the next episode. What do you think? Yes. And it'd be nice to hear what you think, what people think about talent and about the, if it's a myth, if it's not a myth, what they're convinced about and what their own talent, where it may lie and how do we find it. Right. So just go to our website at uh, closingthegap.live and leave us our comments. You can just use the comment field or just use the little button. There's an appropriate button that you can click and record your questions, comments. Uh, and if you also, if you would like us to talk about specific topics in the upcoming episodes, please uh, just let us know. And uh, as for today, that's really all. Let's talk uh, next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.